Hello and welcome to the Landed Podcast. I'm John Montgomery, co-founder of Landed, a travel company specializing in tailor-made journeys throughout Latin America and the Antarctic. At Landed, we're devoted to exploring these regions, searching out exceptional experiences and locations for our clients. The Landed Podcast profiles some of our favorite places and brings you conversations with friends we've made along the way, explorers, artists, and visionaries. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. Hans M. Pfister, that's Mr. Pfister to you, is the co-founder of Cayuga Collection of Sustainable Luxury Hotels and Lodges. For more than 20 years, Cayuga has guided the owners of some of Central America's top luxury eco-lodges. His functional roles vary with the needs of each hotel. At turns, he might serve as a hotel management consultant, staff counselor, financial advisor, or environmental flag bearer. The Cayuga collection morphs every few years as new properties join and others graduate. Together, this unique collection of hotels offers year-round employment to more than 450 local staff and protects more than 1,500 acres of Central American rainforest. We caught up with Hans while he was at home in Escazú, San Jose, Costa Rica. In this conversation, we discuss the triple bottom line objectives of luxury eco-lodges, the role of sustainable tourism in environmental conservation, and how to tell if a hotel is greenwashing. Hans and his wife, Jennifer Libby, are the parents of three children, Lara, Noah, and Ben. Hans visits Cayuga Collection properties every week to check on their progress. He loves cycling, and, German that he is, he loves a good beer. Hans Fister, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for your time. Good morning, John. How are you? Doing great. It's a beautiful spring Saturday morning here in Utah. I think you're in San Jose today. I'm outside of San Jose in Escazú, and it's um, also a beautiful morning. It's uh, the beginning of the green season, so uh, we've had our first rains, and everything is starting to get greener again, which uh, I really like. You know, I really like the the, the green season better than the dry season. But uh, and, and I think a lot of locals do. A lot of people that that live here really enjoy when the when the humidity and the and the moisture and the rains come back and um, yeah so life is coming back just like in in the spring up north you know we're we're having our spring but it's not cold spring <laughs> it's a beautiful time to visit not so crowded what what's yeah, a nice german boy like you doing in in costa rica <laughs> well there's a it's a bit of a story so um, yeah i grew up in southern germany in the black forest area near the swiss border um, always had a passion for traveling for other countries exploring and for hospitality so i, I did an internship an apprenticeship i'm sorry at a, a five star three michelin uh, star hotel in the black forest and my uh, mentor there the general manager said hey you should go uh, study in the united states hotel management there's a there's a school that you should consider and so i went so I ended up in Ithaca, New York. I went to Cornell, and that's where I met my wife, and she's Costa Rican, and here I am, uh, almost 30 years later. First time that I came to Costa Rica, 1994, uh, and uh, it's, been, it's been incredible. I mean, it, it really has been wonderful because I've been able to put my passion for hospitality, my passion for international travel, living, and also uh, sustainability uh, to work, and so for... 
uh, yes, almost 30 years under the Cayuga name, about 20 years, uh, we've been doing sustainable luxury in hospitality. That name, Cayuga, I think you borrowed that from Ithaca. <laughs> we, we brought that down, yes. It's Cayuga Lake, one of the Finger Lakes. And uh, it's funny because people think it's something very Hispanic or Latino sounding. <laughs> Uh, but it's uh, from the Iroquois tribe up north, so uh, yes, we're, we borrowed that, and uh, we're very thankful for the for the indigenous folks up up north uh, to let us use it. Twenty years now, I think you've you've run Cayuga. With uh, next year, uh, yes. Uh, so Andrea is not my wife; uh, she's my business partner, and I also met her in Ithaca. She was at Cornell with me, so. Sometimes people get confused that Andrea and I are married, but we're not. We're business partners. My wife's Jennifer, and she actually studied at Ithaca College on the other side of the hill. You've been married 25 years. So we, we have that in common. And, yes. Uh, three kids? Three kids. Twins. They're going to be 23 next, this month. And a 13-year-old daughter. Um, it keeps us young and entertained. Well, my eldest daughter, Cora, who you, you helped with her master's, not her master's thesis, her senior thesis uh -huh. for high school. She, she wants to go study uh, tourism, hospitality, actually, in Switzerland. Uh -huh. So, Yeah. All right. Well, well, we should have a chat, see what, what, uh, what comes of her career. I mean, it's great to hear that because, um, you know, we've been hearing a lot about the great resignation in hospitality, people not wanting to go into hospitality. But to me, uh, despite what we've lived through the last uh, couple of years, it still is the best industry. You know, you, the impact you can have on people, the people you meet, the places you can go and work. Um, there's, I wouldn't change it for anything else. There is a great deal of psychic income in what we do. Yes, that's what, a good way of putting it. What would you describe, how would you describe the mission of Cayuga? Well, what we're trying to do is provide our guests a luxury lodging experience uh, that in no way um, does anything bad to the environment or uh, the communities where we operate. So we try to find that symbiosis of luxury and sustainability. You know, that's that's really what we're what we're trying to do. Uh, we, we of course have other elements in there. You know, we have a lemma called experience, learn, connect, relax. So those are all elements that we want to put into that uh, experience. And I think we're a very people focused company. You know, we was it now three four years ago we won the uh, Tourism for Tomorrow Award by yeah, the W. People right for your. For, for in the people category exactly yeah so so all you know ever since we started andrea and i was we're always very focused on on the people and the people is obviously our our employees but also our guests uh, the people that live in our communities uh, and of course also the hotel owners you know the our clients uh, the, that we work for you know because cayuga manages eight hotels uh, and they're eight different owners right you know so so we're really in a total people business you know it's it's um and and i think that's also what's one of the beautiful things of the hospitality uh, industry but it's also obviously a challenge and, and right now i think across the world we're seeing that if you didn't really take care of your people you know people are walking away from you and and that that can be a problem you mentioned the nexus of luxury and sustainability those would seem to be competing uh, goals. Uh, 
Tell us about the Nexus. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, when we when we first started and, and we're, we're working in an ecotourism space and, and we were really focusing on uh, on sustainability, but then also uh, understanding that if we want to make a difference and reach the kind of decision makers in this world that we can show sustainable uh, hospitality, we need to go after the luxury market. It's those you know, owners of companies, uh, C-level positions, politicians, uh, artists, you know, that if, if we are able to get to them and show them that there is that symbiosis of luxury and sustainability, we can make a difference. So we, we started to, you know, work really hard on figuring out how can we have uh, luxury experiences without giving up sustainability and and it's a you know to a certain degree they are on the opposite end but what we also found that the concept of luxury uh, can be defined in different ways you know i I always talk about on the one end it's the dubai uh, style luxury with the golden faucets and the marble counters and, and you know all that opulence on the other hand you know luxury can be you know, waking up at 5.30 in the morning, hearing the howler monkeys, looking out on the Pacific Oceans, seeing whales playing there, uh, uh, scarlet macaws flying over you. And that's kind of the experiences that we, we have been able to create uh, at some of our uh, hotels and lodges. And so it's more of an intelligent luxury, or experimental luxury, uh, without, again, without giving up great food, great service, you know, really comfortable beds, uh, and, and all the things, you know, or some of the things that, that come from traditional luxury. What we did, for example, take out a long time ago, I think now it's 13 years, is um, uh, single-use plastic. So, so for example, still I see in a lot of hotels think it's luxury to put a plastic bottle of water uh, in the room uh, that comes from the other side of the world, from Fiji or from Norway or from France or wherever, and charge you, you know, $18 for it, right? You know, that, that, that for in my book is not luxury. That's just ridiculous. But, um, but yeah, so, so I think it's, it's, it's finding that intelligent luxury, that different luxury, and that actually matches quite well with sustainability. So um, I think we've gotten quite good at it. And, and I really feel like our guests right now are having that, that experience that, that we're trying to create. Thank you. The, the term ecotourism has been misappropriated. You'll go to an area and there will be signs that say Eco Lodge and you go and look at the property and what you find is that it's very basic and it's a lower price point and um, the eco is really in your experience, not so much in the operation of the lodge. Yeah, I think I think we've moved away a little bit from from the term ecotourism in the past um, years. Let's say maybe ten years. Sustainable luxury is that a better? Yeah, I I think I think we use that more. So, yeah, I think so because ecotourism was defined many years ago by the International Ecotourism Society as as travel to natural places uh, that that do not negatively affect the environment or the uh, and, and and help improve the community and and i think you know the the, the two parts of of uh, you know not damaging the environment and helping the communities i think that's still very alive in, in in what we do but going to natural places that's becoming harder because even you know when you if you had come to costa rica 
25, 30 years ago and you, you, you come to a place uh, and you come today, it's a lot more developed. It's not quite as natural anymore. It is still very natural. It's still very beautiful. But, you know, to get totally away in that really, really remote area is, is, is every time more difficult. And, and I think this is where uh, I think it's now more of a sustainable tourism. And your, your point about the ecolodge, the, the, the very basic ecolodge, yes, I, I see that, you know, I, I see that, um, you know, the, those signs of ecolodges, I, I go to those places. And yeah, sometimes it's it's not good because they're simple places and they're simple places trying to do well. And, and one of the things I like is that they're often locally owned, which is a, which is a great thing. Uh, I, I like that they're probably their their carbon footprint is, is is pretty low because they won't have air conditioning and and, and other things, but on the other hand, um, they have to make shortcuts on maybe on some some other things like wastewater treatment just because they might not have the funds to do that correctly. So there's always a bit of a you know give and take on those things, but. I mean, I mean, we're we're discussing this, and and I think for a, for a consumer to understand ecotourism, sustainable tourism, and then all the fancy words, you know, all the uh, 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 marketing terms of regenerative tourism and responsible tourism, all of that, I can understand that some some guests get uh, some some potential guests uh, or travelers get really confused by all that terminology, and and you know, so for the, you know, just a few. Uh, a couple a couple of weeks ago, I was at um, in Austin at the South by Southwest and uh, exposing together with the Costa Rica Tourism Board on you know some topics and and one of them was how can uh, how can guests potential guests of hotels or, or travelers find out which hotels are really walking the talk which hotels are really sustainable because often even those uh, certifications are not really quite you know <laughs> helping a lot it, it might actually get more confusing so it's um, it's a complicated terminology out there uh, and uh, i definitely understand that some some guests get confused what does sustainability mean to you then well um, to me personally, and, and to us at Cayuga, sustainability really is mostly focused around people. When, when I talk to, to people that come and visit from North America, their first focus is usually on energy uh, uh, conservation, water conservation, and, and about people again. You know, here, here I'm back at, at the people. Uh, so, so it's rare that they talk about community and, and, and people. So our focus really is once again on people. And, and I'm not saying that we're not trying to, you know, lower our CO2 output and be as efficient as we can with water consumptions, with electricity consumptions and all of those things. But really where I think you can make the difference is in, uh, in, in the communities and, and with the people. So one of the, one of the things that we are very focused on is, is on everything local. You know that uh, our suppliers uh, are as local as possible for for everything decor furniture construction uh, and of course then operations um, you know the food uh, and everything and even more important that we work with a hundred percent local workforce yeah. right yeah. often in when you go to luxury hospitality the, some chef uh, from Europe and exactly the chefs from Belgium, Belgium the, general manager, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the general managers. I don't from, know if there's anybody that actually lives in Belgium anymore. They all run hotels all over the world, <laughs> Bali and Brazil. Yeah. 
Exactly. So, so, uh, and, and I get, you know, I get a lot of requests, you know, I get a lot of, you know, uh, emails and LinkedIn's and it's like, Hey, I want to move to Costa Rica. You know, can you give me a job as chef, channel manager, whatever it is. And I, I always write back to them and say, you know, <laughs> your resume looks amazing. I would love to hire you. My life would be so much easier if I would hire you, but we have that commitment of working with local people. And uh, and I get resp I get very nice responses back from from those people. They're like, "Wow, that's amazing!" You know, I really congratulate you for 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 this effort, and I totally understand. You know, so um, and 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 this is what has led us to 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 being able to tell stories of a seventeen year old girl that walks into the yeah. uh, hotel as a receptionist. We hire her as a receptionist, and ten years later, she's the general manager of a of a world class uh, eco lodge. Then we have uh, working in construction and Manuel Antonio exactly. ends up being the operations. Exactly. Manager. I don't know if you met if you met Robin when you were in Arena yeah, Mar. And I, I but, think about Andre Gomez and started out picking oranges for right. orange juice and ended up at another lodge yeah. that you used to have a lot of involvement yeah. with right. uh, as a as a manager. It's, exactly it's or, really or a lifting, um, a growing and then um, a passing on of what they've learned to the people around them. It's, it right. makes the community. Um, no, it's an, it's an inspiration. Tied into the sorry, mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it's, it, it ties the community together and it unifies them with the lodge in a way that um, supports the vision of the lodge, especially on the environmental side. Yeah, and it's an inspiration because if you know, if I see that you know somebody that's from my social status has my educational level which isn't maybe all that high can make it up into managerial positions i mean that makes me want to work harder or you know go on that career path that we offer and and take that course or or go on that uh, exchange to another hotel to to learn you know something new uh, and and that's really been very powerful for us you know is, is to is to have the people you know, see the success of others and then say, ah, okay, they're not just going to hire somebody from abroad, then it's going to take my job. You know, I have a chance to, to, to move up the ladder and do that. You've had a real impact, not just in Costa Rica. Um, I know you, you operate property in other countries, um, Panama, Nicaragua, mm -hmm. but, but I've seen people follow your model successfully, either people that used to be in the collection that have, that have grown or mm -hmm. people who are nearby and have observed what you've done, mm -hmm. your echo is greater than the size of the collection. Yeah. And that obviously is the greatest thing. You know, that's, that, that's, you know, if, if, if we just work in our little world, you know, okay, good, you know, we have an impact, but if other people get inspired to, to copy the model because they see that it can work, it can be successful. I mean, that's the, biggest uh, <laughs> praise and, and the biggest satisfaction that, that, that we can have. And, and you're absolutely right. We have seen that in Nicaragua. We have seen that in Panama. And we continue to see that even, even in Costa Rica, you know, that, that, that people see, hmm, you know, those Cayuga Collection hotels are doing really well. They're, they're, they're full, you know, they're, uh, uh, you know, financial success. Maybe we should also pay more attention to some of those people issues, community issues, conservation issues. And, um, and yes, so that's, uh, that's a great thing because we, we want to spread this and, and, and make it a movement, not only in, in Central America, but hopefully around the world.
these are for-profit hotels. You you really, if I if I understand correctly, and if the work that my daughter did and and the consulting you did for her was accurate, you're you're looking at three bottom lines, right, or a triple bottom line, which is correct. economic, environmental, and social. Mm-hmm. How do you? And I think I've heard you describe those as the three legs of a stool that each one yes. must be in balance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so, so yes, we're we're not an we're not an NGO. You know, we we have pressure to make ends meet. We have owners that have uh, um, you know re- requirements, financial requirements that we have to meet. And uh, I always say, you know, if if you're if you're not financially sustainable as a as a business, then you're not sustainable, right? Your you know, because objectives won't survive. Well, first of all, they won't survive um, because once you're not financially sustainable, you probably have to cut into some, you know, things that you would probably you, you have to take some shortcuts. You know, you are you're, you're likely to take some shortcuts. But I also think and we've had uh, uh, clients we, we don't work with those hotels anymore. We've had clients that were very much into just pouring money into the hotel. Uh, saying, well, it doesn't have to be uh, profitable. It doesn't have to be financially successful. It's more about the impact. And I'm like, okay, that's great. If you're a billionaire, that's wonderful. But there's not that many billionaires that do that, you know. So then it's not a model for others to follow. So I do think that 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 uh, the hospitality operations need to be um, self-sustaining. I mean, maybe they need to don't don't need to you know have a uh, return on their investment of of, of 30%, but uh, at least they should uh, be a model that others that are not, you know, super wealthy can can follow and say, yeah, I want to do this. Uh, and I know it's it's also financially feasible. Hans, for a while, I, I lost interest in Costa Rica, if I'm honest. I mean, I've been going there not as long as you, but nearly as long as you. And there was a period when it seemed that the focus shift from small-scale, almost democratic uh, tourism to big resorts, mostly in Guanacaste, all-inclusive. You go in, mm-hmm. you stay in the bubble, you never leave, really don't encounter mm-hmm. Costa Rica. And I just thought, why mm-hmm. leave San Diego? Why go to Costa Rica if you're not going to engage? You're not going to be Correct. experiencing what this place has to offer in terms of food and and culture and and uh, mm-hmm. you know it's an active adventure destination how did they write the ship yeah well I, I think you're you're absolutely right and in certain parts of the country I do think that this uh, this there was this shift you know there there was a, a development that wasn't the typical Costa Rican development and as you said I think it happened mostly in Guanacaste and and maybe to a certain degree in the in the La Fortuna Arenal area. So so I think that the more traditional vacation sun and beach is is flying into Liberia, the other airport, and then spending a week at the beach and maybe going also also to Arenal. Uh, so the the tourists that fly into Liberia uh, up north in Guanacaste spend less. Uh, money. There's, you know, statistics by the tourism board. Spend less money, 
our uh, spend our spend less time in the country, and the and the tourism dollar is not distributed as democratically as uh, as as in the rest of the country. So I think that uh, there's a big difference of, of of tourists flying into San Jose, and then heading inland or heading south uh, or heading yeah to the to the Caribbean coast, and I think there's still most of the country. Uh, really, I, I really believe most of the country still has that democratic, uh, the tourism dollar gets distributed uh, uh, concept of people staying in several smaller hotels, uh, going out for dinner, you know, hiring local guides, going on tours, uh, maybe driving on their own, you know, stopping, buying something in the supermarket, you know, taking local transportation or whatever, whatever it is. So, so I, I hear you. But I think the model is very much intact. It's just, you know, it, it got pushed a little bit to the side in, in Guanacaste. And I have to say, there are a few hotels in Guanacaste that still maintain that model as well. So, so I, I, I don't want to say that, that everything in Guanacaste is, is like that, but, uh, but I think... Um, no, it just seemed to be a developmental focus change. Yeah. And uh, it is yeah. true. I mean, we, we were just at uh, Aguas Claras, and it was wonderful on the Caribbean side of the country yep. to, you know, have a meal or two at the hotel, but then to grab a bike and go into Viejo yeah. and, and, you know, find a guy who's making craft chocolate or have dinner or talk with locals on the beach or just walk and enjoy the environment. Um, right. Yeah. It's uh, the opposite of the bubble. Yes, totally. I mean, you know, Aguas Claras in Puerto Viejo is a great example. I think when you head south of Manuel Antonio towards Uvita, the Osa Peninsula, you know, in those areas, you can certainly still have those kind of experiences. And, you know, I, I even think uh, Monteverde or, or, you know, some of the mountainous destinations, uh, also, you, you can have a, a very uh, authentic, different experience. So I think Costa Rica is, is still very much that destination, you, you just have to be careful that you're like, okay, I want to have that destination that you don't end up in a, in a branded all-inclusive resort in Guanacaste because then you'd obviously be very disappointed. You know, then something went wrong. Small-scale lodges, um, there is a sort of a sweet spot. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of your lodges have, what would you say, 15 rooms or fewer? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's quite a mix. I mean, the smallest one is eight rooms. Uh, that's Cura, uh, up in, in Uvita, in the mountains of Uvita. And, uh, and the only reason why that is feasible is because of the really high rates, like, like above $1,000 a night. You know, that's, that's the only way that, that such a small place can be, can be financially feasible. Then uh, we go up to 28, 38 rooms for, for Senda and Monteverde and, and Arenas in Mar and Manuel Antonio. And those are much easier to make ends meet. Um, Aguas Claras, which we just talked about in Puerto Viejo, has 13 rooms. Um, that's just a little not quite enough. I mean, it's, it, we're getting there, uh, but we just actually had a, had a meeting with architects out there. And, and there's a space where we can maybe add one or two more of those Caribbean style casitas. Um, and, and if we go up to 15, I think then we're closer to that sweet spot. So if, if somebody comes to me and says, I have land, I want to develop a small boutique, sustainable hotel, lodge, whatever you want to call it, uh, I, I typically 
don't go under 15 rooms because it's just so hard to to make the financials work uh, and if it can go up to 20 22 25 uh, because the land can take it because it's it's you know big enough then uh, then that would be ideal i've mm-hmm. i've heard you describe tourism as being uh, a little like fire uh-huh yes I think what you mean by that is that it's a useful tool Mm -hmm. and we appreciate the things that it can do, but if it's unmanaged, if Mm -hmm. it goes wild, it can do a lot of damage. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yes, I I think we've seen that around the world. We've seen that in in, in Costa Rica, that tourism can do a lot of good to to communities, to people, to uh, incomes. And, and also to conservation. I mean, I must say that, that a lot of the places that I go back to today, um, almost 30 years after I first came to Costa Rica, the wildlife, the, the, the forests are in better shape than they were, you know, 25, 30 years ago. You know, so the, I mean, the, the scarlet macaw, uh, you, when, I, when I first came to, to Costa Rica, was, was really only seen on the Osa Peninsula. You know, you could hardly see it anywhere else. And uh, by now, you can see it almost all along the, the, the Pacific coast, all the way up to Guanacaste. And one of the great things is that the green macaw, which was, I mean, really, really close to extinction, wow. can be seen now all over Puerto Viejo and the southern Caribbean coast. All the way so up to, you can see them in Tortuguero now. So it's, it's a, you know, so, so there's a really a lot of good things. And those things happen because of tourism, because those reintroduction programs were financed by tourists visiting those places and, and, and paying a fee to learn about, you know, the, the, the project and that kind of kept them going. So, so there's a lot of good things. However, um, when, when it gets out of hand um, and, and there's different ways that that, that that fire can get out of hand, uh, one is that it just becomes too much, what we know as, as over-tourism, you know, um, it's just uh, too, too many people at the, at the same time in, in one place and uh, in the infrastructure breaks down and the social uh, uh, you know structures uh, in, in some communities break down as well so it can be in that way uh, harming and then something else that I'm seeing right now in in places like Santa Teresa and Losada is that just incredible wealth comes in like like ridiculous wealth I'm not talking millionaires investing in in those communities I'm talking billionaires right you know and all of a sudden the the inflation or the just like the, the the you know everything becomes just just crazy right you know what what normally would be a a, a reasonable meal price you know or price for a reasonable meal or, or rent uh, is is just now not affordable to locals anymore because because it just kind of uh, you know the, the prices have just gone gone rogue so i guess i guess you call it gentrification and uh, I think we we're seeing some of that in some in some communities yeah, that were especially popular during the pandemic with a, a lot of uh, uh, digital nomads moving there, spending time there. And uh, and yeah, so so I think the fire can go both ways. It's either just too hot, right? You know, it's too, too, too intense and, and there's too much money uh, uh, that, that just drives locals out or it's too much fire, you know, too widespread, and uh, and that also has has a negative impacts on the community. But but I think still overall, you know, I've just it's it's good that we talk about that. But I think still overall, 
uh, we're able to harness the fire in a very positive way in Costa Rica, Nicaragua and, and, and Panama. And uh, I think the benefits still way out past the, um, the um, down, downfalls. And, and we saw that during the pandemic when tourism stopped, right, when it was gone. I mean, it was, it, was, it was tough on the communities. It was even tough on some of the natural habitats because uh, people, you know, that, that stopped poaching or, or, you know, cutting trees or things had to because that was the only way they could, they could survive. So when tourism came back, that stopped again. And, and again, this is, this, is, uh, this is a good thing. What advice would you give to travelers? who want to limit their environmental impact mm -hmm. or, you know, use their time and treasure to improve the environment or local communities? I think there's, I wrote a blog, you know, how can we come back better after the pandemic? Um, and, and I think there's a, there's a few things that you can do, you know, as a, as a traveler, if you want to make a difference. So, so I think one is, don't travel during the peak season, you know, just, just try to, to travel. First of all, it's a much better experience, you know, you're really getting a lot more out of it. We can actually find you rooms. <laughs> well, and, and you're not standing in line and you can, you know, like just, it's just better, right? You know, so, so travel during the shoulder season is, is a lot better experience and you're taking pressure off uh, the, the, those communities, you know, the, because there's not the pressure to develop more rooms uh, more uh, hospitality during those peak times, and then and then during the the, the lower times they they're empty, and then the staff of those hotels gets fired in the low season, right? You know this is also one of the things. One our commitment to people, we keep our staff year round. You know we we don't uh, hire season seasonally, so uh, we we keep our staff uh, year round because. I mean, from, from my own experience, I need a salary 12 months of the year. You know, I can't live of just, uh, you know, seven uh, or eight months. And I think, you know, we want to give that to, to our staff as well. So, so I think the seasonality is one, one important thing. I think the other thing is, and we talked about that a little bit, is uh, try, to, try to spread your, your tourism dollar democratically, right? You know, don't go just to one place and, and, and spend your... Uh, time inside a walled, all-inclusive uh, resort. You know, go from place to place, travel in between, stop on the way, and and really kind of get a feel for the country. And and when I, I say I don't know how you can go to Costa Rica and just stay in one spot. Yeah, I don't either. But it's hey, got you know, so many yeah. microclimates and yeah, two oh, coasts yeah. and mountain ranges yeah. and valleys exactly. and yeah. beaches and everything's so different. Yeah. Just a and few then, miles away, why would you yeah. stay in one location when you could experience so much? Exactly. And then, and then what you've done, uh, you know, why not skip across the border into Panama, right? You know, and then you have a, another country, another culture, another history, and uh, it's not far. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that difficult. So it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, within Costa Rica, there's so much to do. But then there's the neighbors uh, to the north and, and to the south that are also great combinations. And this leads me to another recommendation is stay longer. You know, I, I think one of the things we want to try to do is, is really not take um, 10 long weekend trips, if somehow possible. But when we go and, and spend that uh, uh, CO2 of, of, of uh, air travel, then make it count, right? You know, spend, spend more time and, and, and really explore the destination in, in, in different places. 
so that would be uh, another another recommendation. Yeah. Some of this too. People are coming from North America or Europe, and they may never return. That may be their one opportunity yeah. to come. So yes. it really mm -hmm. does make more sense to stay longer, to get more value out of that time, well, and the carbon, but the time that you've spent with the, the airport and the hassle of mm -hmm. getting there. Mm -hmm. Just give yourself yeah. some time to be there. Exactly. And then another recommendation would be, you know, try, try to look beyond the you know, every, everybody goes their destinations, you know, so, so when I, when I go to trade shows, which, you know, maybe I'll see you in Morocco at, at Pure uh, later this year, uh, when I go to trade shows, you know, and I, and I try to uh, talk to uh, uh, travel agents about my properties, and, and I talk to them about Puerto Viejo on the Caribbean coast, about uh, the, the whale's tail in Uvita in, in the south, and Monteverde, and, and even the other countries, they're like, well, you know, my I guess they usually go just to Papagayo and to Arenal. That's the go-to itinerary, right? You know, so uh, my 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 recommend my my third recommendation would then be to say, okay, just try to get off the beaten track. It's it's just like when you're when you're traveling to to Europe uh, this uh, summer from from North America. You know, yeah. probably Paris, Rome, and 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 Prague is going to be very busy. You know, what what is the alternative to that what are the cities that are not quite as busy but as beautiful and maybe have a better experience and and so ask yourself the same thing when you go to costa rica do i really need to go to papagayo do i really need to go to arenal and yes maybe yes you know that's that's what you're looking for but there might be some you know off the beaten track destinations that have similar or even better uh, experiences and, uh, and and i guess that would be the other recommendation two, two of my favorite places don't have very good hotel in Costa Rica. I wish you would work with someone to get us some, something in Sarapiki. Uh -huh. And I would love to see something in San Gerardo de Dota. Uh huh. Yeah. You're it's, right. There's exactly. just very special little yeah. gems that not many people visit. Yes. Yes. I agree. Well, maybe, you know, I'll write it down and um, maybe inspire somebody to invest maybe in it. talk to my daughter about this. Yeah. <laughs> what you you seem you seem happy. What what yeah. is it you find a lot of meaning in the work that you do. Yeah? No, totally. I you know, it's ne it's never hard to get out of bed in the morning because I know I can make a difference every day. And it sounds a little bit cliché, right? You know, but I really it really is, you know, and 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 this comes once again it comes back to the people. You know, when I when I see, you know, the growth in in the people, you know, that um you know how they how they just like excel and and and, and do things and and innovate and change and uh, just deliver incredible experiences to our guests uh and uh and then take courses and want to move on and, and and want to become managers and, and want to then start their own businesses you know we're a lot a lot of our employees have started their own businesses or as you said you know i i travel across costa rica panama nicaragua and i run into into people that uh, have worked for us and said thank you for teaching me or my one of my sons was was kayaking in the golfo dulce um with uh, some friends from college he was visiting uh, a couple months ago and, and the guide said oh you're hans's uh, son well you know i worked for uh, i don't know three four years at the lodge that, that that they used to manage here in the area 
And, uh, you know, I couldn't have started my own business without that learning. You know? And that's, you know, and this is where my happiness comes from, right? You know, this is where I'm like, wow, you know, I can, I can really make a difference. And um, yes, so you, I am. You happy. always go back to the people in it. I always go back to the people it's, because we're a people business. It's, it's true. I have found as a parent and uh, as an employer um, or a coach that it's taking untapped or undeveloped talent and helping it reach its full potential that is the most rewarding. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. And you know, and you know what, John, I'm also happy that I'm still around, that I still have a business, you know, because, you know, exactly two years ago, you know, and beginning of April, I wasn't so sure about that. I wasn't so sure where we're gonna be. I was, you know, considering moving back into my parents basement, uh, because things were really looking bad. So so I think when you've seen that abyss of, of, of where tourism was two years ago, and we're able to come back out of it and actually come out of it stronger and better than ever. Well, that's, that makes you happy. So what are, you, what are some of your favorite hotels in Central America? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I can't really afford to stay at the kind of hotels that I manage. <laughs> you know, so uh, sometimes I get, you know, I, I visit other people that have hotels and, and we kind of, you know, do each other the favor of, of giving each other great rates or something. So um, I think that I came across in the pandemic one hotel that I didn't know and, and, I, and I really liked it and I especially liked the area. And I think it's another one of those gems that we, we talked about, an, an area that's, that's not very developed. It's called Origins in Bihagua. So it's a it's a small I think six room hotel also six rooms and they have a they have a house, and uh, it's it's uh, the rooms are overlooking Lake Nicaragua so the border of Costa Rica and Nicaragua overlooking it, and I, and I went there this was you know kind of coming a little bit out of the pandemic I remember being extremely tired and and you know just worn out from from fighting for survival. And one of the things that I absolutely loved about this place was, first of all, it's, it's really small, it's very intimate, you know, you get to know everybody. But then the rooms have these jacuzzis in front of them that are heated with a wood, a wood um, with a campfire. Like, oh, you know, so, so there's, a, there's a fire and there's these, um, you know, these, these coils running through and it heats the water. And I just remember sitting in that jacuzzi looking out at the lake for hours. You know, I just didn't want to leave. And, and it really gave me a lot of strength to carry on and um, so i'm very thankful to to claudia the manager uh, for for giving me that experience so so that's one thing one one place that i can think of but but really um i mean i shouldn't say that as an hotelier but that but really you know you, you stay at a hotel that's important but but really getting out and doing the activities and exploring and and, and being outdoors, that, that's really what, what, what makes the difference when you, when you travel, at least in my opinion. So, as I said, I'm not a, not a person that can afford to stay at, at, at our hotels. Um, I, I, I certainly enjoy staying at our own hotels when I go there for work. And I can see why people like the experience, just again, because of the location, because of the food and the service and, and the people. But, um, yeah, I'm not, maybe not the best person to ask that question. <laughs> Well, as you, but you do go to shows, and you you do yeah. have a background in hospitality. Yeah. Are there 
places you've visited where you've thought, you know, I don't know, in Morocco or the Maldives, where you've said to yourself, they're doing something really smart here. I need to bring that back. Yeah, I, I think I definitely. I mean, I've I have been to, you know, through the long run or through National Geographic unique lodges where we has used to have three lodges in that program before it stopped. Um, so so yes, there there certainly are properties that I've visited or that I really really would like to visit, and and I think especially the the National Geographic unique lodges program. I made a lot of friends in those five years, and we were. A meeting every year and so there's a place uh, three camels lodge in in mongolia that i'm dying to go visit uh, that, that i really want to want to see uh, I, i've sent a couple of my managers to um to uh, the, the tierra hotels in in chile which i'm good friends yeah. with the owners yeah. there and they absolutely loved it i haven't been there myself unfortunately uh, i have been Terrific. to the one in chile especially yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I've been to Chile backpacking, you know, twenty some years ago. Um, stayed in a very different place, but uh, it was it was it was magical. But anyway, so the the I've been to the Maldives, stayed at the Soneva Sushi and Soneva Fushi, and uh, and really enjoyed their program of the of the gardens and not the gardens the. The vegetable gardens, yeah. I mean that that is just incredible. It's mind blowing what they're able to do. That so I was all inspired bringing that back to Costa Rica. <laughs> but the problem is, you know, when you're on an island in the Indian Ocean, you know, you're, you're not competing with a whole ecosystem of the most diverse diverse uh, pl- place on on Earth with so many animals, insects, and everything. So it's very different doing doing agriculture there than than doing it in the in the rainforest. So uh, yeah, so that was not so, such a successful uh, idea. Uh, we're, we're we're definitely struggling with uh, competing with all those. Uh, other animals for for food those um birds and and uh, iguanas and and everybody but yes no for sure there's there's a lot of things out there that i very much admire and that i'd like to go visit um and um, maybe now that things are a little bit more stable i can i can go out and and do that again we've made it through the pandemic you've you've had a great influence on on hospitality and community development throughout Central America, what's, what's next for you? Um, it, it, I'm still kind of having a hard time looking forward. I'm, I think we're still kind of like shaking off the dust from, from the battle we've just done. Uh, but there's, there's a couple of things that, that, that we're looking at right now. One is um, with uh, the new property you, you mentioned before, Pasha, in, in Santa Teresa, we actually started a, a, a bit of a different market, right? You know, so we, we, we traditionally managed eco-lodges, hotels, small sustainable resorts, and now we've taken on a, a luxury home, you know, so we um, started to work with the, the owner of this, this house last year. Uh, it's a 10 bedroom, you know, beachfront, super luxury, incredible uh, home in, in Santa Teresa. Uh, we received our first. We, we welcomed our first guests in in uh, December, and, and have been doing extremely well. There, there's definitely a, a very strong market for you know for these luxury homes. So this is something we're exploring uh, of bringing sustainability, our level of service. You know because we have a 12, 13 people. You know year round staff on those properties, um, and 
just just seeing if that's a, a model that that makes sense for from a sustainability point of view from a financial point of view so this is something that we're exploring right now if if, if that really works as well as we're starting to see in the first months that it works could be something to replicate and the other thing what we're looking at uh, also last year end of last year we went to dominican republic one of some of the most beautiful beaches i've seen in my life um so maybe just like we did in nicaragua you know 20 some years ago and, and started in panama now what like uh, almost five six seven years ago maybe we can bring our model to the Dominican Republic and inspire some people there that tourism can be done in a different way as well. So, so expansion is, is something that we're looking at, at, but also expansion in moderation. You know, we don't want to grow crazy. We want to grow sustainably and especially make sure that whatever project comes into the Cayuga collection really makes sense. You know, that it, that it, that it's aligned, that we're aligned with the values. Uh, that it's something that that is part of the positive impact of fire and not making the uh, negative impact worse. Yes, that's that's the idea. Hans, there are moments from my travels in Costa Rica that that come back to me that are precious to me. Um, any moments you'd share? that would help explain the spirit of your country, your adopted country? Yeah. Well, I just had a really incredible experience just, what, two months ago. Um, for the second time, uh, I hiked the highest mountain in the country, Chiripo. Yeah. It's about a 3,800-something meter high mountain, so it's, it's very alpine. It's a, it's a challenging hike i did it with my with my 22 year old twin sons um and it was an amazing experience when we got you know you you, you hike up there early in the morning four o'clock in the morning so you see the sunrise over the caribbean coast it was a full moon so on the other side was over the pacific coast was a was a full moon uh it was cold we were wearing winter clothes you know it was like two degrees celsius or something uh, so really uh, an amazing experience that you would normally not associate with Costa Rica. And then we hiked down, stopped for breakfast, uh, you know, got our, our bags and then and then drove to Dominical. So from w within, I don't know, like 10 hours, we were from the top of Costa Rica back to the beach and soaking our sore muscles in the uh, in the warm waters of the Pacific Ocean. Right. So so I think that to me represents just that incredible variety that you can experience within a day or with a couple of days. Uh, and another thing I did with a, with a couple of journalists, we, we started at Cura uh, early morning, planted some trees to offset our carbon footprint uh, and took a charter flight directly to Limon to the other coast. So it was, it was waking up in the morning on the Pacific coast, having lunch at the Caribbean coast because they're so close, right? You could, you could drive it. It's it's a bit of a <laughs> it's it's a long drive, but yeah, because there's a lot of mountains, might, might not make the trip. Yeah, there's a lot of mountains in between. So so the the flight was definitely nice, but but just that variety of mountains to beach, coast to coast, you know, all the uh, different microclimates that you mentioned. Uh, I mean, that's just unbelievable, and uh, it's it's really a privilege to live here. Are there any misconceptions about Costa Rica you would dispel? 
Hmm. Um, I, I think a lot of people think, well, Costa Rica is in Latin America, therefore it must be cheap. Well, Costa Rica is not cheap. You know, the cost of living here is high for us that live here. You know, this is one of the one of the biggest challenges. And, and we just had presidential elections last week. And, and I think one of the big topics was, was the cost of living, which, again, with inflation and, and cost of, uh, you know, everything going up, it's, it's even more so. So uh, I guess some people think that, that traveling to Costa Rica, coming to Costa Rica is, is cheap just because it's in Latin America. But it certainly is not, you know, so I, I guess that could be a, a misconception. That's a common misconception. Yeah, but I think also you have to see, you know, you come to Costa Rica and it's a, it's a stable country. It's a democratic country. It's a, it's a country with a fairly large middle class uh, that people have access to health services. It's, it's safe, fairly safe. So, so I think, you know, when, when you have... It's clean, yes. When when you have all of that, you know that that has a cost, you know, and it, it's it it doesn't just just happen, right? You know, so yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's the Switzerland of Central America, right? <laughs> well, Hans, thank you. You've been very generous with your time, uh, both with me and and with my daughter, helping her with her thesis. Uh, it's it's great to talk with you. I don't think I've seen you since I saw you give a presentation at uh, one of our conferences. But uh, mm-hmm. glad you're doing well. Great to catch up. Great. Thank you, John, for um, your interest in Cayuga, for visiting us last year, uh, end of last year. And uh, I hope we see each other again sometime soon. Thank you. Best to you. Thank you. If you'd like to know more about custom travel in Latin America and the Antarctic, reach out to us at landedtravel.com. Since 2006, Landed success has been built on word-of-mouth referrals. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to rate the podcast or share it with a friend. Thank you for listening.